What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bomb City Locker Room Talk, and you're listening to Locker Room Hype. As always, I'm James Fairchild. This is Aaron Pena. Tim Brown. And today we're bringing you episode number four. Yes, episode four of the hype. Like I said, man, we're going to keep bringing it as much as we can. You know, today we got some, some pretty cool stuff to talk about. Some interesting stuff, you know, especially what's going to be going on here in the next couple of months with the sports section of, you know, it could be football, baseball, basketball, anything going on in how to get things prepared coming up. Right. We're going to go into a little bit more detail about um, athletes getting back in shape after this COVID-19 pandemic is all over with, which we don't know when that will be. We don't know if that will be at the end of summer or at the end of fall. We don't know. All right, Pena, what do you think is going to happen with these athletes and specifically with your own athletes? How are you going to get them prepared and physically ready for the season when we do actually have a season? You know, the only thing we can do right now, especially, you know, with my athletes, I have encouraged them, hey, make sure you walk, run, push-ups, sit-ups, squat jumps, you know, the things that we've done throughout the year. I know that this year we – we did a lot of body weight, a lot of things that didn't require much gym equipment and everything like that, which is fine at the middle school level. And that, that's not bad. You know, it, it will work. It'll keep them in shape. But but what they're also missing, too, is that competitive edge with each other. You know, that's the hard part about doing this by yourself at that age. You know, I got kids that from 13 to 15 years old is how do you keep that competitive edge? When, okay, I'm by myself, I'm trying to do push-ups. Hell, I could do 100 push-ups, but what's it for? Well, it's like what? even with yourself, even when you're working out by yourself, are you going to actually push yourself if you don't have someone working out with you? That's the same thing I'm experiencing and thinking about with my own kids. Exactly. And it, you know, it, it starts with the program, you know. The program, if you develop a great program, your kids will know, hey, I got to do this in order to maintain my my status, or, you know, if I'm going to exactly. keep my starting position, anything like that. But you got those other kids that are those little sleeper kids are like, okay, well, I didn't get to play this much. Am I, if I put this much effort, am I going to get my playing time? Or if or are we going to get any playing time this year? I mean, there's too many question marks up in the air right now, and well, that's where we're, we're struggling. With. Right, and I've got two coaches here, and I want to know your perspective because it's interesting to think for an athlete, what do you guys – believe is most important physical or mental side of this whenever they're getting prepared for the season and later in the summer well my big thing is the mental stuff had to be developed before we started all this if they were mentally weak before it's not going to be carrying over you know it's part of you keep your program in line so if something like this happened, they're keeping themselves accountable. Right. Which is hard to do at a young age. It's hard to do for high school age or college. You have this all the way up into the pro sports. They're having to keep themselves accountable. And the cool thing about the whole thing about it, not really the cool thing, but the bright side to me as a coach is it's a great equalizer. Everyone has to go through it. It's not like, you know, some other school in the panhandle is getting the lift right now. We're all having to do the same stuff. Exactly. So. There's not nobody's – having has the advantage or disadvantage right now we're all going through the same process right now agreed and uh you know the process right now like i said it's 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 like you said it's the unknown right now 
Because, I mean, we can sit here. I mean, we can put all the workouts. We can put all the videos we want and talk to these kids. But we, it's all up to them. It's all we got to put it, the accountability back on them. And, you know, as this year, you know, getting ready for next year progress, we are, we do miss, like, I don't mean James talked about, the spring football. You know, when we get when we miss spring football, you you get to, you miss a lot of opportunities to install new things and also get those other athletes that were kind of in the back. Now they might be able to get confidence enough to start standing out. And you actually get to see the team that you're actually going to get for next year. And that's where you're able to start planning and developing a great system for all of them. And another, that, that's something that for next year is going to be really, really tough. Even though you're like, well, I know what we got, but but do you really, you really know? know? Do yeah. you really know? You, you don't know how much a kid progresses in the 12 months between seasons, you know? And the other big thing about it is, you know, if what happens if UIL comes out and says, hey, you can't start football until October, you know? We, could be, de- we could be dealing this all the way up until we're – we not have a football season. That's a scary thing. About exactly. It. And, you know, I know that, you know, UIL is going to try to do as much as they can for the high schools, you know, and that's great. You know, the high school level, or the varsity, especially the varsity level, you know, yes, that's the top priority. And well, I, their big it, thing is with our sub-varsity kids, they're going to want to keep them healthy. Exactly. You know? And it could be where it's only a varsity season. You know, you, you, no one knows really. Right. Exactly. They've been very quiet about what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and you guys, you know, as coaches from – from y'all's perspective, it's still up in the air whether or not y'all will have a season. From an outside perspective looking in, like myself, I don't I don't think that any middle school will have a football season this fall. I think varsity, they're going to do whatever they can do to make that happen because Texas high school football is so huge and people rely on that in the fall every year. That has to continue. They're going to find a way, whether it's pushing it back a few weeks, but as far as the middle school sports, I don't believe, at least on the football side, that that's going to happen. What do you guys think? I mean, I think the varsity. I mean, anything at the varsity level, they're going to work close with what the what the NCAA wants because you got kids that are getting recruited, big time kids getting recruited, you know, and they're really depending on these scholarships to move to the next level and move on with their education. So you don't want to, I guess, give up that opportunity. For something that there's still to progress in the to future. progress in the future, exactly. And I mean, it's I, I, I hate saying that because yeah, we're, we we do coach at the sub varsity level, and, and we like to you know we we're competitive. We want to see these kids learn that competitive edge and start developing a work ethic. But right now, what we're going through, it's tough. You it's, know, they're, they're it's gonna, just one of those things. You're not. We're probably not going to know until. There's no reason to worry about something that we can't control. I agree. And, yeah, and, that's, and that's, we yeah, can't control what the UIL is going to say. I could stay up all night talking about this, and they're not going to listen to me. They, they they have bigger heads and more intelligence on this kind of stuff than we do, and worry about what we can control right now. And Right, and, and what you can control is just trying to get, get your, your players kids. motivated, You know, your students engaged in, in what you're trying to learn with the philosophy of your scheme and – and what you want to implement in the fall. How do you think this is going to affect the overall scheme in the fall with the education side of it? It's another thing. You don't know. It's still up in the air. The state could go 
what the governor said in the past that you know he's going to let it up to local areas because the state's so big it could be anything from the commissioner telling us you know hey you have to do four day a week something you know i mean the, the education commissioner could do that or it could be where it's a local thing every district's doing something different so you really don't know what's going to happen exactly right and everything like i said every district's different every city here has a different demographics than us you know and especially where we're at right now you know we're in a big hot spot right now and and that's uh that's that's gonna be a big play right now what's going on about future future sports in this area right now because you know i don't i mean you know the, the last l day was over a thousand and it, it keeps shooting up just about every day 40 50 60 cases 100 days right. i mean it's like and you're like, you know, when are we going to peak or when are we going to plateau? That's that's we don't know yeah. yet. I think we're moving towards our peak and we haven't quite gotten to our plateau just yet. But I think it is coming hopefully by mid-May, I'm, the next week or the week after. Hopefully we can hit some type of plateau there because we need to get over the hump. And if we can get over the hump, we can start looking towards the future. And I think that's what UIL is sitting here waiting on, too. UIL and the state commission. Education Commission, they're waiting for the plateau, like James was saying. And uh, we don't see that anywhere in the state of Texas, I don't think yet. Yeah, and, you know, what, you know what's also missing, you know, what these athletes are missing, too, is not only that they're missing the school part, but, you know, think about seven-on-seven. Seven. You know, that's mm-hmm. a big aspect in the state of Texas. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I've been in coaching for 10 years now. And man, I did not realize how big seven on seven oh, is in the state huge, of Texas right. until yeah. I got into coaching. Yeah, I know back in my day, I remember we just were like, "Whoa, it's just this is pretty fun." But that was already done. I mean, right? It's evolved. We were it's <laughs> evolved into something a lot more massive and more structured. I remember when I was playing seven on seven, we were really good, and we won our the friendship tournament down there by Lubbock, and we uh, qualified for state. However, we could not get funded or get the funds from anyone associated with our school in order to go down there to college station to compete, which was devastating for all of us. But now I figure, I think that's just more structured overall. And it it is a huge thing. Now it's evolved into something bigger and larger than it used to be. And a lot of players and a lot of even recruits use that platform to showcase what they have, their skills. Yeah. Especially the skill position. I mean, that's what it is. It's for skill position. And I know, as, you know, as a coach, I know we can we you know we got the uh, privilege now to start kind of taking over the seven on seven on the during the summer, which is great. You know, because we used to have to be sitting on the sidelines, yeah. just kind of shutting our mouths. But now we can yeah, actually, hand, sitting on you know, your hands a little bit. Yeah, exactly. But now we can step up and we can actually help and coach. And that right there for a coach, it, it gets us going to to plan the schemes and things like that. You know, with your skill players. And, it gives them a head start in a sense, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, I know you can't tackle. I mean, it, you, know, with the, you right. know, the touch and all that's all different. But it, it helps your your players work on skills that they need to work on. and Understand you know, the, the offense. And kind of like I was saying earlier, the education side of it, it helps build the knowledge of the scheme, you know, heading into the fall. And the preparation is so much more advanced if you have your players compete in seven-on-seven. Seven. So I think that is – going to be a huge uh, drawback for coaches and players alike who are not able to participate in seven on seven this year yeah and you look at the college programs too i mean but i mean all college football players are pretty much at the university working out going to school you know doing whatever they can to get ready for the fall season i mean that's why they that's why they do it i mean and it's 
it's you know it's changed right now. Well, when you go back and think about what could happen in the fall, like James was saying, it's big. Football is a big deal in this country, and the fact that we could lose high school football, we could lose college football. What is that going to do to the economies of those schools? Think about how college football pays for every one of the sports in that school. Exactly. You and know, that's crazy. That's I'm glad, I just. I'm glad you brought that about. up because I know James and I we talked about the SCS. You know, and how they can maybe start stepping up. But these FCS schools depend on, on those non-conference games. Playing getting, the Oklahomas of the get, world, getting, Michigan. Getting these five Ohio to six State. million dollar checks from those universities. Exactly. And that man, that boom, that sparks their program tremendously. So, Well, what happens if you don't get a college football season? So a lot of those smaller schools are going to struggle to pay for their basketball programs, their track programs, their girls, right. water you know, polo, College whatever. football is the cash cow for the other sports. That's a great point. And, and if, if those if college football is not thriving and it's not available, it's just gonna it's gonna hurt everybody else. Except if you're Duke, you know, that's basketball <laughs> in Kansas. Well, right. The reason I brought that up is the fact that, you know, it's gonna be an incentive for people, the higher ups, to try to figure out a solution for this. Hopefully we get to have a football season. And the hard thing is is we don't know <laughs> what a solution is gonna look like even from a month from now, you know. No. It's it's changes so no one does. so rapidly and so often. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens moving forward. And more interestingly, how do you guys think, you know, learning a system for for young athletes is going to look going into a year like this? Uh, we're going to be playing catch up. You know, a lot of the stuff that we can implement, it, you're kind of handcuffed now. You don't get those skilled days during athletics. You don't get to go, you know, do any of that kind of stuff. And then if it goes into SAC camp, you know, UIL just passed that rule where we get to start actually doing football skills it's going to put those younger kids behind but like i said while go everyone's having to go through it so hopefully everyone's behind <laughs> yeah, absolutely you know i mean i know that i you know that's coming as a competitive guy as, right here as I, you know, I've, you know I you. I've always been a spread offense air raid kind of guy you know and I mean, it's it, – yes, it's, you know, hey, yeah, run down the field. I'm going to throw you the ball, things like that. I mean, yeah, that, it seems pretty simple and all that, but, it, man, there's a lot to it. You know, you've got to help – you've got to develop not only your your skill level players, but, you know, you got to help out with the offensive line. But then your coaches have to come ride together and trust each other about, hey, I trust you on this call. Or I can be able to teach this this athlete, you know, this kind of route and be confident that he's going to catch it. And my quarterback can throw that ball to you. I mean, there's a camaraderie that the systems have to be put in place for it to work. And it's from all the way from your sub-varsity kids in seventh grade all the way up to your JV kids. Exactly. transfer to the varsity. Yes. And if you don't have that continuity all the way through the program, you see programs fail. And that's the reason you see programs that don't have the same head coach for several years back-to-back they have to rechange the systems. They're at a disadvantage exactly. of other people that have the same scheme for You forever. have to be able to change or synthesize your program to what you got to fit your athletes. Yep. I mean. Right, exactly. It, and that's something that, as you know, all coaches now are going to be, you know, we're all going to go through the same struggle this, you know, fall of not spring, whatever's going to happen. I, I mean, feel like for you two guys, this is going to be one of the most challenging seasons you'll ever encounter because of that reason of fixing and implementing your offense to fit your players, not knowing where they're at, 
what type of physical condition they're in, where they're at mentally, and what they know internally with the system in general. It's going to be difficult for you guys to teach that on the fly and kind of adjust, you know, as you go. My big thing is I'm a control freak, and you can't control what you don't know. And right now, we're in the unknown por- portion of this. No one knows what's going to happen. Um, and I've, if this was a normal school year, I would have had everything planned out for what I want to get done until, until football season. Right now, I don't know how to start planning because I don't know what's going to happen. And, and like I said, you know, I sat home at one night and I started planning, and I'm like, it's hard. Why should? Why am I planning right now? Because you don't know if we're going to start yeah, August fifteenth, or, or I'm going to start August fifteenth, or I'm going to start in March fifteenth. Yeah. you know, and it'll start of spring. You know, we I, it's the unknown, and yeah, you're like, well, I can get an advantage. It's really not an advantage because I'm I'm doing it. I'm not able to spread it to my coaches and to my athletes. So I mean, it's it's a, it's a, it's a hard hard. How do you think all thing. this is going to affect? gameplay once games actually begin when the season does start i think you'll see more of a routinary form of football there's going to be like the teams that run those rpo stuff the college teams think about how much time it takes to develop the timing of an rpo play you're not going to see a whole lot next this next season if it starts later people are going to have to go back to the simpler times of football i guess before all that stuff came out I can see that totally happening. What I mean, do you think? I mean, I can even see, you know, yeah, the RPO is tough. You know, it takes a lot of reps to really, you know, see what you see mm-hmm. and throw with confidence. And then also with that, you know, I mean, even the old school wing T people, I mean, I know. They're still going to have to show because of yeah, timing. Yeah, that's a, that, that mm-hmm. takes a well-developed O-line and trustworthy, you know, skilled people that, hey, you know, hey, I got your back no matter what. I know who I'm blocking. Yeah. And this is where we're going. I mean, it's everybody's going to be going, you know, everybody's going to have some chaos in their system right now. But know? like I said, we'll go once again, everyone's going through it. We don't have to, you're not going to have to face someone that has an advantage over you. Everyone's going to have to be going through that handcuff period, I guess is what I'm trying to talk about. Right. And like with an offense like Tascosa, that relies on timing and, you know, learning the, the fundamental concepts of that offense. How do you think it's going to affect an offense that's run heavy, like, like the Tascosa Rebels? It's all about timing on that kind of stuff. It's the same as an RPO type stuff. It's a triple option. You're going to have to have the timing perfect, the reads perfect, and it's, it's going to affect them. And it's going to affect everyone, you know. Everyone that's got some type of read in their offense is going to have to dial right. it down a little bit. You're going to have to go back to – the fundamentals of stuff next year. And with the de- decrease of reps, I mean, that could really affect the timing with that offense. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's why you have that spring football. I mean, it doesn't, you know, the spring football doesn't always have to be, you know, pads and helmet, you know, knocking each other out. It's mm-hmm. just going out there, running the routes, running through your drills, and, you know, making sure that you're implementing, you know, the buzzwords and the certain – reads that you you want them to be the, paying attention the repetition to. of oh. every rep that you can get as a even if it's offensive lineman or receiver or quarterback those reps matter even without spring football say if we have this thing contained in june you're going to be able to start developing a little bit of that during the skill time during the summer it's going to be really interesting if it's one of those things where we can't do anything this summer because if that happens then you really will see more fundamentals yeah, I agree on that one because, like I said, we're still in the unknown. 
and if they really do take it away, and then it's yeah, you're gonna have to go back to step one, and then and then make sure that everybody's well well developed on that step one. Right. You can't progress. In the mental aspect, I keep thinking about how mentally athletes need to be tuned in and, and prepared for this. I feel like, much like I said, you guys are as coaches are going to have to be on your toes and really coach on the fly. These these players are going to have to be mentally ready to have a lot of things thrown at them or to get their, their psyche ready to take on an, a new offense or to learn more complex intricacies of their offense that they're already a part of. Like I've said a while ago is the fact that everyone's going to have to go back to fundamentals. You're not going to have as much inflammation, I don't think, this year, especially in the sub-varsity stuff. It's just like in the classroom. We're going to have kids that are nine weeks behind. You're going to have to teach them like they're nine weeks behind in everything from math, science, and athletics, you know? And it's very bizarre. It's it's different. <laughs> it's very different. I never thought in you know my entire adult life we would ever encounter anything like this, but it's very interesting to see how we've reacted to it and in the athletic world how we're going to react to it moving forward. And with you guys being coaches, you have a tall task on your hand to get your athletes prepared. I never thought we would see the day that UIL canceled a basketball state championship. I never thought I would ever get to live to see that. It'd take like a world war for them to cancel something like that and not doing our spring sports. And it's, it's, it's right. weird. And as a sports fanatic type person, it's, it's, I'm getting the itch for some sports. <laughs> we all are. Yeah. We, we were talking about how uh, we were excited that Korean baseball was on ESPN earlier and it's been on for the past couple of weeks. At least we're getting something right now. May not be much, but it's something. All right, we're going to move into a different area of conversation. This topic focuses on the 25 most important games in college football spread revolution. This was an article on ESPN, and most notably, we discovered that West Texas A&M is on this list with the battle against Abilene Christian. And this game was very high scoring. It was extremely exciting to watch in person. The final score was... 93 to 68 and this happened november 22nd 2008 now tim over here he was at the game can you tell us a little I, bit of memories about that game game i went and watched it on tv it was one of the one of the games that wt actually had on espn southwest okay and uh the big thing that i remember about it was them doing onside kicks because the score was so high they were having to do onside kicks to try to keep up with abilene christian and the fact that they're kicking them you know in the second quarter me and Pinion were talking about that. That that's crazy. You you never see that. <laughs> no, exactly. But when you got an offense like that, you know you got. I mean, you can you can do that whenever you want. I mean, if you're confident with your offense that much. On well, with Carthel, you know everything was about spreading the ball out and having that was four or five hundred yard, you know, games and passing. And I'm sitting here reading this article. Um, this is a name I hadn't heard in a while. Bernard Bernard Scott he ended up playing for the Bears, I think. Once he went pro, but uh, he had 292 yards rushing in that game. There were 161 points in that game Man. and 1,531 yards. And only three punts. There were four punts in the whole game. That just shows you how much offense was I on. mean, this would have been a high scoring for a basketball game. Yeah. And this was a football game. And it's pretty neat that, that this game was on the top 25 
games that changed the spread revolution. I mean, it with Keith Knoll back then, that game he went 42 for 63 for 595 yards and seven touchdowns. 14 of those completions went to Charlie Martin, and we all know who Charlie Martin is. He was a great receiver at WT. He gained 323 yards that game with five touchdowns. So it was such a huge game that it made this list, and it, it jumped right out to me because – there's games on here, you know, there's Oklahoma and Florida, there's West Virginia and Clemson, there's Texas A&M and Alabama, the 2012 with Johnny Manziel, which was really famous and, and popular. Hold on, hold on, that might be a famous game, but you cannot, you cannot forget my Red Raiders whenever they beat Texas 39-33 to 33 on that November 1st of 2000. You cannot forget that, the, the Crabtree infamous as, catch on the sideline. I mean... Even even whenever Texas scored to go up ahead, the announcers were like, "Well, they gave too much time to Texas Tech to score," and they did. You even when you run a spread offense or the air raid offense, you you time time is very it matters. It matters what you do. That's one of the greatest things. And oh yeah, I was one of those idiots that jumped the field real early. You know, I mean, I was a I was a senior. You know, I kind of had my education. <laughs> I think but, all of us, if we were if we were tech, you know, students at that time, we but you know, it was team. incredible. But what happened in the next couple of weeks? What happened is on the, the November twenty second of 08, Tech went down to OU and they just got annihilated. That's right. Yep. By the jump around game. And that's what that they, was huge. But it, it goes to show that you know the spread offense, it, it's going to work or it's not going to work. I mean, it just it depends on what you're going to do that night. I mean, you can't you can't just say, hey, you know, we're going to put up 90, which it's possible. But at the same time, you might put up zero or seven, uh, So, As someone that's been around the spread offense a little bit, it's it's not as dominated as like a I-formation type offense. An I-formation offense can just be put together with one kit. Spread offense, you're going to have to have a quarterback. You're going to have to have the line, the block for him. You're going to have to have the receivers. You, you can't just hand the ball off to one dude the entire time. That's what stood out on this Abilene Christian thing was the Bernard Sot. They scored all those points by just handing the ball to him right. because they were an I-formation team. And uh, that's that's what makes a spread offense kind of a it, – it's a little bit more difficult to implement because you have to implement so many different things with different kids. So. Right, I, I found the 2016 Oklahoma and Texas Tech game and, you know, that game had an array of spread principles, like tempo and, and the zone read. And that was a huge fabric of that, that game at the time. And RPOs were taking over in 2016. Patrick Mahomes alone, NFL MVP, he shredded the Sooner defense. Absolutely shredded it. And he, he completed 52 of 88 passes and was credited with 85 rushing yards. That's insane. And the teams combined for 185 snaps and 1,702 yards, exactly 854 each. And OU basically won because it scored touchdowns in its final six possessions. So it was such an exciting electric game. Do you remember watching that as a Tech fan? Well, yeah. I mean, it was one of those games, like when you see two programs that run those prog- run those, those systems, that's when, I mean, if you're a coach or a future coach or an old coach, this is where you sit down, you get your notepad down, you, you just kind of watch it. You like you're watching film on any other day because this is what it is. This is what you're seeing the best of the best teach it and go from there. I mean, I remember watching that game. And I mean, yeah, I know Patrick Mahomes 
yeah, God, that's my boy right there, MVP, Super Bowl champ, all that. But that, you know, in his college days, he he didn't have the best guys around him, no, at all. Didn't. But he made it happen. You know, I mean, that's the thing. You can have mediocre guys, but if you coach them right and you do and you teach them right and just go from there, they're gonna they're gonna be an explosive offense, just like Baker Mayfield. I mean, he had I mean, he had probably better receivers. I'm not gonna lie than Tech. But Baker Mayfield, he's been in that system since he started playing football. And he knows the system, but Baker's a damn good quarterback, too. And I like Baker. And then, like I said, hopefully this next season coming out with the Browns, man, I hope he has a good season. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for him because, you know, he's a Texas boy. And, uh, you know, man, that's something that's important. You know, I, I stay true to my Texas, Texas players. Right. His moxie, his charisma, his love for the game is unparalleled to anyone. As a OU fan, he is my all-time favorite OU quarterback because of those reasons. He had so much charisma and so much love, so much passion. And, you know, the last season in Cleveland, he he kind of got big-headed and he he did not perform up to his standards. I am looking forward to him getting back on track because I do think he's got that competitive passion inside of him to – prove all the naysayers wrong and get back on top and become an effective quarterback in the NFL. Because do I think he's going to be a hall of fame caliber quarterback? I don't know. Do I think he's going to be a good, efficient quarterback that can get the job done? I do think that he is that quarterback. And at OU, I just saw three straight, solid, amazing years of football that he put together. And in this game alone against tech, I mean, he threw for 545 yards and seven touchdowns. The guy is super accurate. He's got a great ball. He's got just the undeniable love for the game. I just I love the guy to death, and I'm just I'm really anxious to see him get back on the field this season to do better because I do agree with you, Aaron. I want him to succeed and improve everyone wrong. One thing I want you to be excited about this next NFL season coming up is watching Coach Kingsbury and Mr. Murray out yes, there. Yes, Kyler Murray. Do something a little bit different this year, you know, this next year. They're I, actually going to be a pure spread offense ex- in the NFL. We haven't got to see that. Exactly. And I think that's something that I'm ready to see. It's more uh, of the air raid type offense and, that I'm excited and, about. Absolutely. And, you know, I know we've had some other NFL coaches that have been, you know, that have been in the kind of the spread offense. Kind but of no like, one ever being an air raid Exactly. <laughs> and, I, man, I'm excited because, I mean, Arizona had a pretty good little draft. They got some people around them that they're going to oh, yeah. they're gonna do a hell of a job, man. And Talk about someone well, that. Is able to fall forward and something um, going from getting fired at Tech and I, falling into that. Hey job, man, man, you know, Cliff. Like I said, you know, Cliff. You ever listen to this, man? I still support you big time. Yeah. You know, I know that you didn't have the best run at Texas Tech, but man, your future in the NFL. I can see you doing big, big changes in the NFL and changing up the game. In the Revolutionary type of you know mentality and approach to the game, which I'm excited to see. Because a lot of times we hear the narrative, oh, these college offenses, that can't that can't be structured and implemented into the NFL. And I don't think that's true. I think with the, the right coach, the right talent, the right scheme, anything can happen. And it's it's exciting to have, you know, Kyler Murray at the helm with DeAndre Hopkins next year, you know, and Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald. It's going to be super cool to see that offense uh, evolve into what – what it's been into what it could be down the road. And Kyler Murray had a pretty solid, you know, rookie season, rookie of the year. He had a great year and it's, he's only going to get better. He's proved a lot of naysayers wrong. 
based on his yeah. performance last season. Well, when you look at a spread offense, the reason it's established is to set an equal term for everyone. You get to spread defense out. You get to pick your spots that you want to attack. And I'm hoping with an air raid type offense, they'll be able to do that in the NFL. You know, single people up and be able to use their weapons that they have. Right. So, well, it'll be fun to watch. Those spread offenses utilize weapons so well. Mm-hmm. And with NFL talent, I mean, there's no end to how potent your offense can be. Exactly. I mean, like I said, we're about to see some, some change here in the NFL here pretty these next couple of seasons, especially seeing, you know, Clef is one of the first ones to come in with, you know, the, the air raid mindset. And, heck, you never know. We might get old, the OU coach here pretty soon. Oh, Lincoln yeah, Riley. Lincoln's not going to leave. Let me just say this publicly. He's not going to leave well, until know. he wins a national title. And, you know, he's on the doorstep. He just uh, can't, hadn't been able to get – the defense where it needs to be and get the door. job done. You gotta beat Clemson. You gotta beat Bama. We gotta recruit like Clemson and Bama uh, and Ohio shoot. State yeah. and LSU. We've got to get there in the recruiting battle, that's, but that's that's the difficult part. That's right the there. most difficult part. They're they're so far ahead of the Big Twelve in recruiting. I just think we'll we'll eventually catch up to them, but it's going to take some time. All right, we're going to transition into the Andy Dalton situation in Dallas. That's uh, big recent news. He was signed with the Cowboys. With Dak, you know, still having uncertainty with his contract, I think Jerry Jones went ahead and made this move for a quality insurance policy behind Dak because it's it's up in the air whether or not Dak will be our starter week one. Here's my real question to both of y'all. Why would Jerry Jerry Jones... Decide to sign another quarterback, a veteran quarterback, to a deal like this. Because of the uncertainty with Dak and the issues, it's gone sour and south with Dak's well, negotiation with his contract. Well, that's what I'm asking. Are you going to put? Are you putting pressure on him? Like I think don't it's worry a little about bit the of, money. Let's do this. I think it's a little bit of pressure, and it's a little bit of reassurance that I think it's more of an insurance card because. Jerry Jones has been in this position before where it's come back and bit him on the butt that he didn't have a quality backup. Yeah, remember we had what, what one year you had Vinny Testarotti or something as the backup, and we had a 45-year-old dude out there trying to play football. And, and it, I think it's more of an insurance thing. They're going to sign Dak. They're going to give him his money, and he's going to be starting quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it is up in the air right now, but I do think, like you said, Dak's going to start. But it is a good move for Andy Dalton. He's got a home here, you know, in Fort Worth. And he's from Houston, played at Katy down there in the Houston area. I think that he's going to sit behind Dak for a year and then go back on the open market as a free agent next year. And, you know, this move is kind of comparable to when the Eagles had Nick Foles. Mm -hmm. This is a good quality quarterback. Um, Andy Dalton has never missed a game. He's 64 of 64. He's proven as a healthy quarterback in this league, and that's very important. And we need a solid starter, close to a starter behind Dak, that, that can take reps and take over if anything may happen. Yeah, knock on wood. So do you think, okay, so my, my next question is, what do you think Andy Dalton could have done anything better in Cincinnati in his career? It's all about the weapons that are around you. I honestly don't think he had a whole lot of weapons around him to help him because he's. we all know he's a mid-level quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. He's not a superstar. 
He's not going to change the entire game just by himself. Exactly. He's yeah. going to, he is a game manager. If you're going to have a game manager quarterback, you're going to have to have the weapons around him to make him successful. Exactly. Kind of like a Eli Manning kind of thing. Yeah. You know, like Eli Manning, when he's won Super Bowls, mm-hmm. it's not because he's the greatest quarterback ever. It's because he had the weapons yeah, around him. Yeah, weapons around him. And well, Andy Dalton is a solid backup quarterback yes, in this league. And to have – a caliber quarterback like that or behind Dak Prescott, I think is going to be beneficial moving forward, especially if Dak may get hurt or if this contract stuff doesn't, doesn't come to terms. Andy Dalton, I would feel comfortable with him stepping into that offense. We're loaded on offense. Hand the ball off to Zeke. All he, like you said, all he has to do is become a game manager type quarterback and be efficient. And if he can do those things, then everything's going to work out the way they should. I know this is not on our little agenda to discuss, but what do y'all think about uh, Andy Dalton getting signed and one of the better quarterbacks that's sitting out there, Cam Newton, not being signed? You know, that, that's kind of crazy you know, when you think about I mean, it. I just I, thought of that. That's just crazy that I, he know, got a contract and Cam didn't. You know, Cam Newton, man. You know, I, I, as a as an athlete, you know, I respect him. I mean, I bet he works his butt off. He's very competitive and everything. But man, his ego, his arrogance, yeah. man, it just that gets in his way. That takes his character away. And you know, in this day and age in the NFL, man, you can't as a quarterback, you can't be like that anymore, man. I mean, you have to go in there with a level head. With a level head, you know, optimistic and a team leader, man. I mean, you can't just go in there and Well, you think Cam and, would ever sign a contract where he's not the starter, you know? No. I don't <laughs> I don't think any, I don't think any, I don't think he would go be like, oh, I'm not going to sit here and and throw the ball if I'm not starting out. His ego's too big. He won't do that. I think he he will sit out a year or go play somewhere else where he'll start. I mean, it doesn't matter, but. I just thought it was crazy that, you know, Andy had a a contract and Cam didn't. So that's just something I was thinking about. That's a good point. And as an owner or a head coach, I would sleep more comfortably knowing that Andy Andy Dalton Dalton is my backup. He's he's not at the end of his career, and he's never missed a game. He's been a starter in this league before. He's somewhat proven. I mean, it's a good quality backup, and that's what we need. We don't need a guy that's that's, that's thirty nine years old, forty years old, that's at the end of his career that cannot provide quality snaps if his time is called upon. So I think it's a great move. I think it's an interesting move. I think it could light some fire underneath Dak, and it could com- create some competitive practices moving forward. So we'll just have to see how it all pans out. Well, all I care about right now is I want to see another Super Bowl. Well, right now, coming from <laughs> – We all do. Coming from sport, just in here reading some Sports Illustrated, uh, Eddie Dalton did reach out to Dak. He t- sent him a text just asking, you know, just reaching out. I mean, it doesn't really go into detail. Just kind of tells him that he's excited to be here and he wants to help the team any way he can. I mean, Andy, I think, you know, he's a level-headed man. He's going to go on there and he's going to compete for the spot. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, 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 you know, I've never been on the Prescott train, you know. I like Doc. I do, don't get me wrong, but I'm not on the train with him right now. Maybe Dalton will light a fire under his butt and maybe maybe he'll get him going. I, don't I know. agree. I agree, and I'm not so totally sold on Dak either. I mean, I'm biased with him because I love his backstory about you know how he became into the oh, NFL, yeah, I mean, and, and that's kind of made him endure with me a little bit. But he is starting to lose a little bit of my free grace because he's fighting over 
a contract. <laughs> right. And that, he's, he hasn't done enough in my opinion to, to, to earn a, that type of, uh, you know, stance on how he feels. Exactly. I, I mean, he, he the stats he are there, the stats are there, but they're the, the, the playoff aren't wins there. and the championships are not there. Right. He's exactly. wanting Tom Brady money for no exactly. Super Bowls. I know he's going to sit there and say, well, I don't have a defense. I don't have this or that. Man, you can complain all you want. You can do that, but you still got a job to do. Oh, well, he doesn't have a coach to blame it on anymore yeah. either. Yeah. No so, one can blame a, the – I mean, yeah. I mean, you can't blame Garrett anymore. Garrett's gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's another long story, but, you know, but, yeah. I mean, the prima donna persona needs to go out the window. He needs to just put his – put his head to the ground and get busy because he is the face of the franchise. He is the starter for the most prolific and popular franchise that's in the world. So he needs to step it up, get his butt out there and, and win and us put, a dang Super Bowl. Win us a, some playoff games, get to the no, you know, I NFC want championship. I do want a Super Bowl, but at least to win two or, you know, get to the NFC championship will be huge. He's got to prove himself. My big deal is I've been a Cowboys fan for way too long and not have a Super Bowl as an adult. Well, I'm be, ready for one. You know, I mean, <laughs> so am I, brother. I can so understand that, but man, you know, when, I mean, I'm setting the all, bar high. All you Minnesota Viking fans, I'm sorry, man. I don't know how you get into the playoffs every year and you just you squeak by and all that. Like that makes me upset to see the Minnesota Vikings in the playoffs. Come on now, like, and I mean, yeah, I know they got digs and all that. And come on now, cousins, come on. Last thing we're going to talk about on Saturday, we are going to get UFC 249 Ferguson versus Gaethje. Uh, <laughs> I pretty much, hopefully, that's how you say it. Gaethje? I don't know. No, no, it's no. just exciting to see UFC back, isn't it? Oh, yeah. No, man. not really. Well, I, it nah, is, I'm a UFC fan. Hey, man, anything right now, we'll take. I, mean, I like the UFC. I want to see McGregor out there again for his next fight yeah, right against now, Khabib. I want him and Khabib to have a round two. I'm, I'm just too cheap to like UFC. You have to pay for that crap, and I don't yeah. like paying for it. Well, yeah, but, but here's the thing. <laughs> okay, but here's the good thing. That, that's the pay-per-view. Man. Yeah. Listen to the prelim one. Here we got, if anybody's a big fan of Anthony Pettis, he will be on the ESPN uh, card. So – I know me. I'm a big Anthony Pettis fan. He's going to be on the ESPN. His match, he's match six of that night. Uh, man, you know, like I said, he he always goes out there and he puts on a show. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of him. Um, I believe he's fighting, he's fighting Cowboy. Cowboy's coming back again and trying to fight right after his defeat uh, against McGregor. That's impressive because he got his butt whooped. Yeah, no joke. You know, Cowboy, man, I love him, man. You know. It's tough, it, tough. It's it's you know it's hard. Like you know that's one thing I liked about McGregor and the Cowboy fight. You know that last time that McGregor didn't say a damn word. It didn't have a bad thing to say about that man because he's respected. He's so respected, and man, you know even though he yeah he, he he defeated him, he went over there picked him up, made sure he was okay. I mean that that I mean it goes to show that yeah. he's he, he's going to be a Hall of Famer in the UFC in. Uh, you know, that's going to be a really well, good as thing. A, as a person that doesn't like UFC here very much, I even know the name. I even know the type of person he is. So that just goes out to show, what, like you were saying, Pena, on how he handles himself. So, so, you know, like I said, you know, prelims, they do start at 5 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. If you, you know, like I said, if you have time to check it out, get out there, check out ESPN. Check out the fights. You know, there's a lot of good fights coming up. 
you know, know, to note, Tony Ferguson, he has a 12-fight win streak. Yep. So that's going to be interesting to see if he continues that streak or if it's broken. So, and then, you know, and then on the pay-per-view, you know, if you want to order the pay-per-view, that's fine too, you know. You can give yourself something to do, put it on the big TV, sit around, drink a couple beers, and watch some good fighting, man, you know. UFC, uh, like I said, you, I mean, there's some disappointment here and there, but I think these guys, they should be well-rested and they're ready to go again. And I bet we'll get, you know, three rounds of not five rounds of uh, on each fight, you know. But at the same time, I like to see a good knockout here and there, you know. And, and uh, Oh, we all do. That's, that's the most exciting thing you can see in UFC. I love it. So, it, uh, Saturday, make sure you get a, a ESPN. Check it out. Invite your friends over. Have some, some beers and cook uh, some food yeah, out. Yeah, but don't forget, social distancing, you know, six feet. No. no, no don't forget about that. We've come to the end of our podcast. We want to thank you for listening to Bomb City Locker Room Talk. I want to thank my guest over here, Mr. Tim Brown. Thanks for having me on, bud. It was fun. Email James. BombCity.LockerRoomTalk at gmail.com. Thank you guys for listening. This is The Locker Room.